All right. The holiday season is apparently upon us. I have seen lights already, so it is now time to start thinking about Christmas. The older I get, it seems like it was just here yesterday. However, it is back. It is time for us to start shopping, selecting, purchasing, wrapping, unwrapping, returning, credit cards, all that goes into the process of buying, giving, and receiving gifts. This morning, our passage is about giving and receiving. Uh, I hope this season will be a blessing to us all, but I hope that the Lord will meet with us as we look at this kind of unusual passage from Philippians. What we're going to see this morning is the Apostle Paul sent two men to Philippi. And in his sending of them, we learn principles about giving. We learn principles about receiving. Uh, We are not living in Paul's day. We are not going to Philippi. We have not been sent in that regard. But yet the principles of giving and receiving that were true then are also true for us today. Here's what we know. Is that love always gives. We see this throughout Scripture. From one of our most beloved passages, For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His one and only Son. One of my favorite authors that I was introduced to in this past year is a man named Bob Goff. Maybe some of you all have read his work. He's really, really good. He has committed his life, his work, his ministry to outrageous giving uh, and recognizing aspects of love. He's an attorney and he's an advocate. He's also really, really funny, and he's really serious. Here's what he says, though, about love. He says that love is never stationary in the end. Love doesn't just keep thinking about it or planning for it. Simply put, love does. And in our letter this morning in Philippians, as we have been looking at over these past weeks, Paul loves these people in Philippi. Though he is incarcerated, though he's under house arrest for preaching the gospel, his love for them is continually revealed. And they have sent him material needs that he needed there in prison as a gift to him because they love Paul. And Paul now, we see today, will be sending gifts back to them. And that is the message of this deploying of these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, this would make a really, really good character study in the Bible. But when we preach the Bible, we know that the Bible is about Christ and ultimately ends with this table. So what I want us to see is a message of love and how God used these two people to reveal this message to us. All right, a little bit of an unusual sermon this morning. It's going to be highly application-oriented. I want us to see two broad points, and that is the giving of love and the receiving of love. The giving and the receiving revealed in these two men. And as a result of that, I hope that we will see and experience how God's love for us changes our heart. Here's my prayer for us this morning. is that God would continue to mature us as his people by making us ever more joyful for him and how he loves us. Okay? So here we go. First, the giving of love. Uh, Two points here underneath this category. First, love cares and love is sacrificial. The giving of love. Look at verse 19. Do not take this care of love for granted. Notice, in this passage, what is Paul's motivation? Here he was, imprisoned, incarcerated, preaching the gospel. He was suffering under house arrest. He was in a place in which he did not want to be. 
He was dependent upon others to bring him all of his material needs. He did not know his future. It's even revealed here when all of this gets worked out. He could not guarantee the verdict of his trial. He did not know if his death was imminent or not. He didn't know if he would have a short time left on earth or a much longer one. Here's all that he knew. He knew that Jesus was going to walk with him all of his days. And whether he lived or whether he died, he would be with Jesus. That's it. So that is the scenario in which Paul shares all of this. But notice, what is the one thing that would bring joy to his life? Was it inside information about the looming trial? Was it an apology letter from the Roman officials? Was it an immediate release from prison? That's what I would have wanted. That's not what Paul says. That's not what's recorded. Rather, what it is that would cheer him on was news from his friends. Do you see that? That's what he wanted. That's what's on the heart of Christian leaders, to know how their friends are doing, how their faith is growing. Truly, this is not that complicated, but if I could suggest to you this morning, it really is that powerful. Let me put it this way. It's no small thing for us to know that we are on the heart and mind of people who know us. To know that someone is praying for us, to know that someone is hoping for our well-being, to know that someone is thinking of us, to know that someone cares about our welfare. For us inside the body of Christ, we care for each other. Paul cared for his friends miles away. To know that another Christian is deeply concerned about how we are doing is to deeply care for others. That is Christian love. It's what we give. I've been told, and I'm pretty sure you've heard similar reports as this, that loneliness is the epidemic of our current age. That in our day of social media, we are intellectually more aware than we've ever been But relationally, we suffer and are more desperate than ever. And Paul wants his friends to know, you aren't lonely. I'm thinking about you. I care for you. I want to know how you're doing. I'm far away, and you're far away, but my heart and my prayers are with you. And I think this is such an overflow of how the Lord views us. We need to be reminded this morning that God cares for us. It's not a small thing. When I was a sophomore in college uh, 30 years ago, uh, I showed up one night at the Baptist campus ministry. I didn't know anyone there. I saw a sign, and I just thought I would check it out. Back then, it was called the Baptist Student Union, if anybody remembers that. The Lord was doing things in my life. I didn't know that. That's what the Lord was doing at the time, but I didn't have many friends. I was struggling in school. I was lonely. And I thought maybe I'd heard all this stuff at church. I'll show up at the Baptist place and see what happens. That night, it was a Thursday night. Again, I sat there without knowing anyone. A lady on their staff taught a Bible message. I do not remember the passage. I did not know her. I couldn't pick her out today. I don't know her name. But I remember exactly what she said because it changed my life. She said this. God cares intimately about every single detail of your life. And I thought, is that really true? I knew God didn't want me to go to hell. I knew certain things I wasn't supposed to do. 
but he actually cares about every detail of my life. If that is true, then that becomes really, really, really important for the rest of my life. And literally, that was one of the moments that the Lord used to change my life forever. The concept of a God who is near us, who wants us. So in the spirit of giving this morning and love gives, do you see the principle at work here? One Christian shows care for another Christian. Paul wasn't God. Paul was used by the Lord to show love to other people. Maybe this morning you are in need and you need to be reminded by someone else that you're special, that you're made in God's image and God has a plan for your life. But maybe this morning God is calling you to be the conduit of that message. That there's someone perhaps even in this room who needs to be encouraged. You as a follower of Jesus can do that. You see, love gives. The heart of a Christian leader is to give care to us all. But now look at verse 20. Love doesn't just care. Love gives. And it gives sacrificially. Think about our man here, Timothy. He's incredible. Throughout the New Testament, Timothy was Paul's understudy. There was a spiritual father-son relationship that Timothy and, and Paul had. Paul wrote letters later that are recorded in Scripture, giving his final advice and counsel to this young minister, Timothy. Paul loved Timothy. He loved him. But do you see what Paul was preparing Timothy to do? In this passage. Do not miss this. Paul was sending Timothy to Philippi to get a report on his friends. Okay? That sounds simple enough. But remember, there was no modern way of travel for Timothy to arrive in Philippi. There were no Zoom calls. Timothy had to travel land and sea to get there and to get back with the message. There's no consensus exactly how long that would have taken or which route they would have taken. It doesn't matter. The point is, it was going to be a long time. Now, why is that such a big deal? And of all of this passage, I felt like this is what the Lord kept showing to me throughout the week. This is what stood out to me. Look how Paul described Timothy. Let Timothy's attributes sink in into our heart. Notice these things. Paul said, there's nobody like him. Nobody. When it comes to genuine care for others, he's the man. He also said Timothy was not consumed with his own interest. Do you know many people like that, that are not consumed a little bit with their own interest? Timothy wasn't. He was consumed with what was on Jesus' heart. But he also said about Timothy is that he was a servant. It is he did what Paul asked him to do. Now, a side note here, if you want to be a godly leader, here is the message. Care about other people. Don't take yourself too seriously. Be concerned of others like Jesus and do whatever your mentor tells you to do. That is a pretty good recipe. But in Paul's estimation, Timothy was the best of the best. He didn't have anybody like him. He was the man. He was his right-hand man. He was the Joe Burrow in Paul's life. There was nobody like him. But what is the point of this? What did Paul want to do with his number one asset? You would think he would hold him tightly. But do you see it? Paul was preparing his number one asset to leave him while he's still in prison. When he needed everything, he was sending people out. 
Being in prison meant he had one need after another, but instead of consuming the needs, he was sending his best resources. Paul gave his best resource. He sent it to people that he loved. I love this picture. Do you know what we typically do in seasons of need? We gather as much as we possibly can, and then we self-protect. We save, we consolidate, we do everything. It's like a tornado drill. We get as much as we possibly can around us. But Christian giving and love sees that our greatest resource as something to share, to give. Even in this context, Paul had every reason to assume he would see Timothy again. That is, even as he gave sacrificially, he knew the Lord would work it out in his way and his timing. There's a TV show that I used to like to watch. It's not on anymore, but uh, Hoarders was one of my favorite shows. At least fascinating to me. I'm not sure if you ever saw it, and I'm sure no one here was ever a candidate to be on the show. However, in Hoarding, there were people who had rooms filled with piles and piles and piles of stuff. It's crazy how much stuff people could have. Hoarding is defined as an anxiety disorder that people cannot let go of their stuff out of fear that just maybe someday they might need it. Do you see how Christian giving is different than hoarding? We are to give our best because someone we love is in need of it today. And in some way, the Lord will return it for his glory. Paul had one phenomenal asset, Timothy. And what did he do? He sent it out. Now, just so you know, let's be real clear about this. This is not Stewardship Sunday. You will not be getting an email from me on Friday about church finances. However, if you were to get an email from me on Friday, this would be a great passage to talk about our giving. So let me just ask. What might the Lord be calling you to release because of love? Who might the Lord be calling you to release because of love? Where might the Lord be calling you to go because of love? You see, as followers of Christ, we don't hold on in fear, but rather in faith, we release, we send. All right, that is how love gives from this passage. Now, secondly, notice part two, that love receives. I have a couple of observations here as well. But first, let's, let's look at the second man listed here, Epaphroditus. And he's just as awesome as Timothy. This is a great guy, and he has an amazing story. We don't know a lot about Epaphroditus, but there's just enough that the Lord chose to reveal in Scripture that there are certain things that we can see in his life that we need to know. He was similar to Timothy. He was a servant of Christ that he was being sent to Philippi, but his mission was different. His purpose was to return to Philippi where he came from and then to continue his ministry back with his own people. He did not have the long-standing relationship with Paul that Timothy had, but Paul still loved him. He had been impressed by him. He said that he was a brother, said he was a fellow worker, said he was a soldier, said he was a messenger, a minister, even described that he was a survivor where he nearly died. 
Notice when Epaphroditus was commissioned to go to Rome where Paul was from Philippi, it appears there was no promise or plan for what to do with him after that. Rather, he was a missionary that was waiting on his orders of what to do next. And here in Paul's wisdom, he decides to send him back to where he came, to go back home. We'll see this in just a second, but it appears this was a surprise to everyone. It appears Paul made this decision. In verse 29, Paul instructed the church, though, to receive him with joy and to honor him, to honor people like him because of their service, perhaps because of the illness and he needed special attention, but whatever, they were to receive him with joy and to honor him. Now, I want us to think about a couple aspects of Epaphroditus' life and how that affects us of our receiving of love. The instruction here to the church was, receive him. I love you. I'm giving to you. This is how you receive him. First observation I would offer you about receiving of love is this. Your story matters to us all. Why is Epaphroditus famous? He's famous, I would suggest here, because Paul chose to tell the story that he nearly died, that he was sick, and he needed help, and people had to pray for him or he would have died. God chose to save his life. And you know what? We know that story because it was recorded. When God pours out his love to us and the lives for all of us inside of this fallen world, we have a continuation of one story of God's grace after another story of God's grace. You think about in Epaphroditus' life. He would have had a conversion story. He would have been a, a story of being called to ministry. The story of his travel from Philippi all the way to Rome. His story of ministering to Paul and many more. But we get a recording of one story. And that is he nearly died from his travel and God had mercy upon him. But notice what happened in Paul's life and the church in Philippi. Their hearts were encouraged because they knew the story. They knew it because the story was told. His story was shared and reshared and received. Do you share the stories of God's grace in your life? Do you have a place in which you can share those stories? In our church, in our community, our lives benefit from when we hear what God is doing in all of our lives. Stories matter. We don't just receive, we share what has happened. Day after day, God is at work in our life. Day after day, we see our Heavenly Father's love for us. And day after day, we communicate that message. And when we do in this fallen world, all of us benefit from the sharing of your stories of grace. When love is received, it needs to be celebrated, repeated, and shared. Our lives benefit from each other's encounter with Christ. All right, that's first observation. Now, second and last, and we'll end with this. When we receive God's gift of love, sometimes those gifts are a surprise. Let me say that again. Sometimes the Lord will surprise you with things that actually are an overflow of his love. When we receive his chosen allotment of grace, it very well may include things in which we didn't ask. 
We didn't know were coming. Perhaps we didn't even want them to come. But yet his love can include just that. I think it's clear from the passage that I'm not so sure the Philippians were expecting Epaphroditus back. I think they're going to be thrilled he's coming back, but it wasn't necessarily the plan. There's a good reason here that he's actually the one who carried the letter there. But either way, it appears to have been a surprise. It appears it was not the original plan. And it was a gift to be received with joy and honor. Surprises and gifts can be connected. Let me be honest about myself. I do not like it when the Lord interrupts my plans. Do you? I have found in my life the Lord consistently interrupts my plans. And those are his good gifts to us. I like schedules. I like plans. I like starting on time. Unplanned events really aren't my preference. Yet it would appear the Lord consistently, as a way of growing our faith, surprises us. So let me ask you. Can you receive with joy and honor even those things that you had not planned as God's gracious gift to you? Sometimes God's gifts are trials. Sometimes those gifts stretch our faith. Sometimes, just like with Epaphroditus showing up, it's a time of joy. But we receive them all with joy and honor because we know they came from the Lord. Love gives, love receives. It's who we are, it's what the Lord does, it's who the Lord is. Let's close with this quote from C.S. Lewis. Lewis said this about giving. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we are to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is this, to give more than we can spare. I love that and it sounds like Lewis. So now we come to celebrate this story of our Heavenly Father who shared more than he could spare. At the most critical situation, he gave the greatest resource our Father could ever have. And he surprised the world with his grace by sending his only son Jesus so that his love for us could be received by us. Church, we are a people loved at the greatest cost. The greatest sacrifice is ours in Christ. We cannot be loved more. So as we receive his gift, we are free to enjoy. We are free to give. We are free to share. Amen? Amen. Let's come now and feast with our Savior. I'm going to pray and transition us into the Lord's Prayer. and Then we will come and, and feast. Father, as we think of this passage this morning... As we think of these promises that you have made, I ask you, Lord, in your kindness that you would continue to affect us and change us. Lord, we thank you for heroes of the faith like, like Timothy and like Epaphroditus. But Father, they point us to this greater story of your grace to us in Christ. So Jesus, we pray now and we ask that you would affect our hearts as we do so, this prayer you have given to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.